In this teaching, Geshe Sonam will explain the three causes of the unsurpassed state of enlightenment or complete Buddhahood, the ultimate goal of the Buddhist path. He'll explain these causes according to the teachings of a great Indian master called Nagarjuna. Please enjoy. So first of all, um, in terms of this temporary condition that we have now of this human rebirth, Geshe-la would like to share a little bit about how to use this human rebirth in um, the correct way, to make it go in the correct um, direction so that one can be happy. So then Geshe-la, he will explain uh, from the perspective of a little bit of a high level with um, today's explanation. However, um, uh, within this high level, we can also understand that there are uh, many things that are very applicable to beginners, to uh, starting just from this life, how to be happier. So then, in terms of what Geshe-la will be sharing today, um, it comes from um, a great master known as the Second Buddha called Arya Nagarjuna, and it is from a text which is known as the Precious Garland, and it talks about if one wishes to reach the ultimate object of attainment, the uh, three things that one needs to cultivate in this life. And that if one is not able to cultivate these three things, one will definitely not be able to get to that destination. <laughs> So then, just to kind of um, set the scene for this Geshe listening, that we often speak about um, having compassion for ourselves, we often talk about the importance of a self-love, but if we really think about this, then if that is something that is really honest, then this final object of attainment, this achievement of Buddhahood, this is really the best way to fulfill that. Why? Because after the achievement of enlightenment or complete Buddhahood, not only has one definitely achieved one's own welfare or aims, but one also becomes very able to bring benefit to others. <laughs> 
So this is how it is. So then in terms of the shloka or verse, it's actually one and a half verses that Geshe-la is sharing today. It is primarily explaining the three main causes of that attainment, right? Of complete Buddhahood. So the source of this, as we mentioned, it is from uh, the great uh, Arya Nagarjuna, a great master, specifically uh, from a text called the Rinchen Chengwa, this uh, the precious garland, but it is also a text which is mentioned in many other works by other great masters, such as Lama Tsongkhapa, for example. So Geshe-la will share the words, but also if you go back to these words and read them again later and reflect on them, uh, not only is that something that is beneficial and will bring a uh, great understanding, but it will also help to put uh, a very positive imprint within the mind. So, um, I will read uh, the verse that Geshe-la just shared. So, whether oneself or others of this world, if they wish to attain unsurpassed enlightenment, its roots are bodhicitta, firm like the king of mountains. Then compassion reaching all directions and wisdom not relying on duality. So these lines are saying oneself and others of this world. So first of all, we ourselves that we're talking about and then uh, other beings, indeed all beings, any of those who wish and it is wishing for this best object of attainment, the final object attainment, which is unsurpassed enlightenment, which means complete Buddhahood. So then, um, if one wishes to achieve that unsurpassed enlightenment, what is the uh, best mind that one can bring forth to help one achieve that? Then the next part of the text is talking about the roots of bodhicitta, firm like the king of mountains. So this is an, is an example, right? The supreme mind of bodhicitta, which is like a mountain. So we often speak about, um, for example, the five paths of the Mahayana, as well as the various grounds, uh, bumis, and so forth. So we could say that uh, really um, all of these seeds that we plant, uh, the very root of this is the bodhicitta aspiration. So we want this mind of bodhicitta when it is uh, brought forth to be stable, like Mount Meru. Geshe said, whether you 
cold Mount Meru or not, any sort of stable mountain, we want it to be like that, something that is un, uh, unchanging and unstable, right? Something that with the arising of the afflictions cannot be shaken, right? So it's a firm type of mind. And so also, maybe we can bring this bodhicitta in our mind a little bit, but whether it is firm like that or not, right? That is a question only we can know, right? It really depends upon our own efforts, our own practice, whether we achieve the stability. And so then the text goes on to explain, well, what is the cause of that, the cause of that bodhicitta? Well, then we speak of compassion, right? Compassion reaching all directions. So that means a compassion that is not partisan, right? Like I have compassion for this one who I like, but I won't have compassion for this one who I don't like. No, it is a compassion that reaches all directions, a compassion that encompasses all beings. And so then um, love and Geshe, sorry, Geshe said compassion, but also love because love and compassion come together. Then these are like the foundations which bring forth these roots of bodhicitta. So that's what we can understand here. So, so we have the, uh, just to recap, we have the first one of bodhicitta, the second point is this compassion reaching all directions, and the third, the verse says, the wisdom not relying on duality. So Geshe said, just to make it simple, we can understand this as the wisdom realizing emptiness. So in terms of this final object of attainment, right, which is uh, the unsurpassed enlightenment, Buddhahood, these are the three, we could say almost like the three main causes. So these are three things that we definitely need to bring forth. If we are not able to bring forth feeling and experience of these, then how would we be able to achieve enlightenment, right? It won't happen. So this is the one perspective, right, that if we are aiming for this supreme realization of complete enlightenment, we won't be able to do it without um, uh, these uh, three causes or these three factors. However, even if you just think about the perspective of this life alone, if you bring in bodhicitta, compassion and an understanding of emptiness, you greatly enhance your quality of life. This life almost becomes like playing like a game, right? Much greater happiness. 
so then, um, just in terms of these uh, first points, then perhaps bodhicitta, this has a bit of a specific connotation. If one hasn't studied, maybe one doesn't know. But definitely with love and compassion, these are things that uh, everybody can touch can experience and we see that even just on the temporary level on those moments where we have more love and compassion uh, in our mind right there is much greater happiness we see how they contribute to that happiness and so that's why Lama Tsongkhapa gives the instruction that appears in many of his texts, including the Lam Rim Chemo, the great treatise on the stages of the path of enlightenment, that through thinking about the welfare of others, one's own welfare is very naturally achieved. Mm-hmm. So then if we think about the bodhisattvas, we understand that because they have developed uh, these minds, then whatever uh, animal appears before them, right, because uh, whatever being appears before them, whether human or animal, because of their development of love and compassion, because they view it within this frame of love and compassion, whatever is before them, their mind is always able to abide in a quality of happiness. So really, um, in terms of um, ourselves too, we should understand this, that if we can cultivate this mind and sort of get rid of our false thinking, get rid of our judgments, our projections, and any human being or animal that we encounter have a feeling that this person is very close to me, this person or this uh, being is uh, precious to me, and on this basis develop love and compassion, then definitely our mind will become happier. And so if we can think in this way, right, and we can activate our mind, once that activation happens with these principles, then definitely we will be able to see a real change. So from day to day, from month to month, from year to year, then really just see those beings who you are uh, gathering as uh, being close to you. You know, don't push them away. Don't see them as far away. So then in terms of these principles of love and compassion, right, and the attitude of kindness that we want to develop, we understand that also there are many factors which hinder them, right? There are many obstacles, minds like attachment, anger, aversion, uh, jealousy, and so forth. So these will hinder the development of those.
So um, emptiness, the last part, wisdom not relying on reality, emptiness, this is important because these mistaken uh, minds, right, which are hindering the love and compassion, these arise due to a mistaken apprehension of the object or of the other person, for example. <laughs> and because the apprehension behind that appearance is wrong, we grasp at that appearance mistakenly. So this leads to many false appearances which lead to problems. So what happens with us is we have this ignorance grasping at the self which is kind of like the root giving rise to its in a way servant minds of attachment, anger and so forth and they are grasping at this appearance thinking that it is real, not realizing that this is a false appearance. Because we never question it, then we follow this false appearance. And then by following this false appearance with our conduct and so forth, we run into all sorts of problems and uh, negative consequences. <laughs> So, also, when we talk about emptiness, it's very important to mention this, that when we talk about the appearance of the object, so for example, the other person, and we talk about attachment and anger and so forth arising, the emptiness is not saying that that being or that person, right, the basis of that appearance is not there at all, but what it is telling us is that it does not really exist in the way that it appears through the lens of our anger, through the lens of our attachment and so forth. It's not really existing in the way that it appears uh, in those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually, if we just check, we can really see that through this uh, lens of anger, the appearance of that object, that's not so much in accord with reality. Uh, through the lens of uh, attachment, the appearance of that object, that is not in accordance with reality. But just knowing this, right, it's not like we're going to be able to instantly um, kind of like have a radical decrease in that attachment or aversion. So that's why it's important that we need to meditate on these principles. We need to hear the teachings, contemplate them, meditate them. And through hearing, contemplation and meditation, we will habituate ourselves uh, to this understanding and we will be able to understand how uh, the way the uh, thing really is and how it appears uh, is not the same. Mm-hmm. 
So then with a happy mind and also having conviction that there is some truth in these teachings, then as much as possible, please bring forth the minds of love, compassion that arise bodhicitta, as well as cultivate an understanding of emptiness. And then not only will we be happier, but those around you will be happier and we will, we will be able to have better lives. Yeah, teacher. All right. Thank you. We'll end here.